Welcome to our podcast series, Talking with Traders, hosted by expert trader Garth McKenzie in London, from where he's interviewing various guests on the topic of trading. My name is Garth McKenzie. I've been trading since the age of 16. I headed up the retail derivatives desk for a large stockbroking firm in South Africa from 2003 until 2009. After that, I left the corporate world and I started traderscorner.co.za, an online service that caters to DIY traders providing analysis and trader education. I also ran the Traders Corner TV show on Business Day TV for over 10 years from 2009 to 2019. I've recently relocated to the UK and I trade both the South African and the offshore markets. Through this series, we hope to connect traders with other traders across the globe to share information, tips, and general advice on derivatives trading. The podcast series is brought to you by IG, a world-leading CFD provider. On to today's episode. Joining me on today's podcast is Sean Morrison, and uh, Sean is a technical analyst with IG Markets, and we go back some years, Sean, we've done a number of roadshows together but, uh, in partnership with Traders Corner and IG to all parts of the country down to Cape Town and Durban so we've got a long history of working together and I know both of us are, are quite technically orientated when it comes to looking at the markets and I think we're very similar in the way we view things and often compare notes with charts so it's likely to be a, an interesting interview uh, with maybe a fairly fairly severe focus on on technicals but uh, Sean, welcome to the podcast. Before we get into any of that, I mean, would you like to just tell us how you got involved in the markets in the beginning and, uh, and, and you know, what your journey has been to get to where you are as a technical analyst and expert at IG now? Hi, oh, Garth. Good to, good to be chatting again. Um, yeah, I've had quite a long journey into the financial markets. I think it all started when I was uh, back in school, I think in Standard 8, or they call it uh, grade 10 now. Um, our accounting teacher introduced us to, you know, equities, and we used to have a have a newspaper. We used to have a pick our shares, and you know, week by week, we'd see how those those shares have, um, have performed over time. And it would actually be a, like literal paper trading. You know, we'd we'd look at the share prices and we'd draw them out, and yeah, quite an exciting time. Um, fast track ten years later, I ended up uh, working for a company that uh, provided education and research. Um, on financial markets, um, they were affiliated with the JSC member firm and the, um, at a later stage, a CFD broker. Um, it was actually in those days where I met, uh, I know one of your early mentors as well, Dr. David Paul, mm. who's obviously very, very uh, instrumental in my, my trading career. Um, started personal uh, trading uh, a PA account in about 2006, single stock futures. Uh, probably a dangerous time to start trading uh, when, you know, Full markets in full flight. Um, by 2008, I got the opportunity to open up a, a satellite office for a CFD provider in Durban, which later turned out to be a white label of IG. And then um, two years later, IG bought the business out, and I'm still with the company, uh, which is now about 12 years later. Mm. Yeah. So, and I mean, I know you, those of us like yourself, like myself, I mean, the market gets into your blood, your blood. And once you are in that situation, it never really leaves you. So, uh, 
I, I can see the, the, the trajectory of your career as it's gone over the years, and I'm sure you've got a, a very bright future ahead of you as well. But getting back into the, the point about technicals, Sean, you, obviously you're a technical analyst at IG. Um, I follow a lot of your research that you send out during the week, and it's always interesting. It's always clean, which I like. Um, but what is your general approach to technical analysis, and how do you view it in the markets context? Uh, <laughs> thanks for putting that. I do like to keep the, the charts quite simple, um, just to make sure that that information is, you know, honestly conveyed. Uh, I think there's, in my mind, there's three categories to charting, to technical analysis. Um, I think you have, you can have a quantitative approach. So you can take systems and, you know, test them for you know, a statistical edge in the market. Um, I think you also have what we call, you know, a logic, just a basic market logic. You know, for example, if I see a share price falling to a particular price level, and then all of a sudden I see a spike in volume, you know, the charts are telling me something logical, and that's that, well, at that price level, that's where there's institutional interest in, to, in the market, because we know that retail volume is not going to push push that needle like an institutional um, volume would. And, and then uh, a third category, I'd say, is a bit more of the subjective side to technical analysis. We know the subject is quite broad. Um, and there's a lot of crafts, and part of that subjective side, which people do very well with, is just not the, what, the parts that I subscribe to. So I like to, you know, in my approach to technical analysis, look at a little bit of the quantitative side mixed with a, a market logic and, and, and blur those two things together. Okay. All right. But yeah, the, your, your charts, as we said, they are always simple and clean and clear cut, which I like. And, um, and, and I've noticed from following many different technical analysts over the years, you, you're quite right. There's multiple ways to skin a cat. There's different ways to do technical analysis. Some are more complex than others. Um, I prefer the simple stuff, uh, keeping the charts relatively clean, not too many indicators, just two or three moving averages, maybe a um, couple of momentum indicators and, and some candlesticks um, with a, an occasional trend line and some perhaps some Fibonacci analysis overlaid now and again if it's relevant. But I mean, on that score, do you have any particular favorite patterns that you like to trade that you find are of the highest probability nature? Um, I quite like continuation patterns in the market. I find that it's much easier to trade, you know, a trend continuation uh, than a trend reversal. And within that category, I like uh, bull flags and bear flags. Because in my mind, you know, there's a logic to it. It's just showing a brief pause in a trend before that trend is continued. And that can give us a relatively favorable risk relative to reward scenario for a trade. Um, but I think when you look at something like a flag, Fundamentally, it's really just showing it pullback. Um, I like pullbacks in price. So uh, there's a trader, Alan Farley. One of his key rules of trading is, you know, buy, buy the first pullback from from every new high. Um, so obviously, the market is making new highs. It's, you know, uh, um, is in a, in a clear upward trend, and that pullback is giving you a second opportunity to join that. You know, if I look at something like a breakout as well, you know, any type of you know breakout move above a key level. I don't like to trade that initial breakout. I like to wait for the first pullback as well. And I think flags uh, probably rank among my favorite um, types of chart patterns because it marks that type of pullback in a market. 
Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, I, I agree with you in terms of the continuation patterns. They're also amongst my favorite to trade uh, for, for the same reason that you say the trend is, is the trend and often things will trend for longer than what you can ex that what you would imagine possible. Um, but those continuation patterns give you the opportunity to just get on board. Um, there's a book that I once read uh, called uh, Getting Started in Chart Patterns. It's written by a guy called Thomas Bulkowski. And I presume he must have had lots and lots of time on his hands at some point because he went through thousands and thousands of charts and he actually back-tested and analyzed various different types of chart patterns to assess their reliability. And those continuation patterns came out as amongst the most high probability patterns. So the ones you talk about, the flag, be it a bear flag or a bull flag, um, your triangle patterns as, and as well, and then things like wedges, falling wedges or rising wedges within the direction of a trend. And what he found statistically that those patterns work about two out of three times that you observe them and they meet their target about two out of three times. So, you know, I've always said to people that attend my high probability trading course, if you just focused on those continuation patterns and then were able to get a risk to reward ratio of two to one or three to one off of those patterns, knowing that you're going to statistically get two out of three right, you, you create an edge for yourself and you can actually create a very favorable trading system just by being patient and waiting for those types of setups to, um, to, to manifest and to play out. So I think we're on the same page there, uh, Sean. Yeah, no, great. Hi everyone. Once this series is complete, there will be an ebook of the series that will include transcripts from all 10 episodes and a couple of surprises. If you'd like to receive that ebook for free, then all you need to do is click on the link included in the show notes to register your details. Alternatively, also find that link on our Facebook page. The free copy will only be available to the first 350 subscribers. Back to today's episode. Yeah. Getting back to your, your role at IG now, um, and you're obviously um, on the desk there. You you are at the coalface seeing what happens with retail clients uh, that come through the doors and open accounts to trade CFDs through IG. Obviously, at the moment, we've been in this lockdown situation and the markets have been very volatile. The market crashed during March and a lot of people you know, always take the view that once the markets crashed, that is the time to buy. And on that note, we've we've seen a lot of brokers globally have been uh, experiencing huge numbers of growth in terms of clients opening accounts. I mean, I look at a lot of the overseas brokers, and I fo focus on places, for example, like Robinhood, which is a commission-free uh, broking firm, and they've seen a huge spike up in accounts opening. Now, have you seen a similar sort of trend and similar theme at IG over this time? Yes, uh, Garth, we've seen you know exponential growth in account opening, and it's directly correlated to they likely say uh, the correction in markets. Well, when I say correction, that's a plot term because it was a crash um, that we did experience. Um, it's, it's quite interesting because in the past, I think you know when you have you know two thousand and eight, for example, when you have that sort of huge moves in the market you know, to the downside, uh, it does actually chase some people away. Uh, but now I think <laughs> there's definitely a a Buffett, uh, Warren Buffett type uh, thought process here where guys are interested in buying when, you know, being greedy when others are fearful in the market. Um, we also have a bit of that sort of, I suppose, a democratization of information. People have more access. People know a little bit more about markets now and they can access so much information from the palm of their hands. Um, and, you know, uh, 
there is opportunity uh, within the market and people are starting to to see that i think yeah it's interesting you were you referred to buffett and, and, and it's right i mean that's one of his most famous sayings be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy and uh interestingly though that right now he is not being greedy not at all he's actually being very conservative he's sitting on a lot of cash and he's sold out of quite a few positions particularly his airline stocks uh, recently so it's quite interesting that the, the sort of diametrically opposed view there i guess that he's been so conservative and hasn't been Top participating on the downside or participating by buying anything right now while the rest of the market uh, and retail clients are aggressively opening accounts to get involved. So it does sort of yeah. make one wonder where we are in terms of the broader market cycle. You know, is this rally that we've seen in the market just a relief rally or bear market bounce that's going to be followed up by further weakness or is there, it, it was that it? Was that the end of the bear market and now it's buy time again? It's a quite interesting place we find ourselves at the moment. I just want to say, Garthia, on that. I mean, we say that facetiously. I think, um, I think the key factor here is from a trading environment is that people, uh, traders enjoy volatility, and I think at this point in time, we're certainly seeing, you know, a surge in volatility, which, you know, which meets that appetite, and I think mm. that's why we're seeing such a large uptick in interest in. in financial markets right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, volatile environments are certainly more fun to trade. And I, I go back and think of 2000 and I think it was 2017, where there was virtually no vol volatility in the market for that whole year. Um, and VIX was down at like 10 for the whole year. It was just a most boring year to try and trade. So um, a bit more volatility certainly does make it more fun and brings the brings the traders to the game, as it were. Um, but on that score, you, you at IG, uh, like any other CFD provider, you guys are regulated and you, there are certain rules around the regulations and what you have to disclose and what, what have you. And one of, the, one of the things all CFD providers have to do is actually to display on the, in big bold letters right in front of you uh, on the top of your website is the, what percentage of clients actually lose money trading CFDs. And it's, a, I guess, a bit like the health warning on a packet of cigarettes are saying, you know, smoking might kill you, but doesn't stop people doing it. Um, and I know currently the number on the top of your website sitting at about 76%. So it's saying that 76% of retail clients that try to trade CFDs lose money. And that's not out of the norm. I mean, if you go to any other CFD platform provider, you'll find that that number is fairly consistent. Um, I monitor it and I've seen over the months, it ranges generally between 70% and 75%, maybe even up to 80% sometimes. So you've always got sort of a, 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 a three out of four rate of clients losing money, which means that one out of four are, uh, are losing money effectively. I mean, what do you, have you got any reasons why, as to why you could potentially why is it that way do you think that the numbers are actually stack up so poorly look i think market conditions do play a role in terms of how those figures look um we uh update those figures i think it's every three months and it's a rolling average um when you look at rg i think we've got i think it's just over 190,000 active traders globally um so it's quite a large data sample as to what does happen in the industry um, I think some of the, the common mistakes is that you get a lot of new entrants into the market um, and overexposure. So people uh, maybe don't, uh, you know, getting involved if they don't fully understand how leverage works, they might overexpose themselves. So take positions that are too big and then 
uh, new traders also do tend to um, over trade, trade too frequently. Uh, it can be quite exciting getting involved in the market um, and the, the, ten, the tendency to press that button maybe a little bit more often um, than they need to uh, can be detrimental. And that's why, I mean, IG wants our clients to do well and that's why we do host, you know, these educational type events. You know, we have, uh, we've launched the IG Academy, which you can download, it's an app you can download to your phone. Um, you know, we have demo accounts, practice accounts that you can log into, or subscribe to from uh, from an IG account. So, we try and make the uh, facilities available to try and improve those statistics uh, in the market. Uh, we want our clients to do well. You know, they make more money, they transact more, they transact bigger, and we make money from those transactions. So yeah. it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, that's right. And also longevity of clients also plays into your hands. Ultimately, you don't want clients to come and you know, be shot out the back straight away. Um, I know I come from a broking environment where I ran the uh, single stock futures trading desk for BOE for seven years and and during that time i mean we saw clients come and go all the time and and it was it was sad in a way your best client this year was never your best client next year and uh and and there was not a great deal of longevity in the client base and i think you guys are doing well in that respect i mean i'll certainly give um, two big thumbs up to ig for the level of education and the level of participation that you that you give to your clients to try and further their skills, to try and improve them, to try and enhance the way that they trade so that they ultimately can be successful and that they can be long-lasting as clients. And I know that you've involved me in a lot of that work, um, seminars, courses, uh, things like this interview, for example, where we can actually try and educate the the audience um, in terms of promoting proper trading principles, which is one of the things I certainly live by. And I, I can say you guys are doing well in that respect, I think, in terms of providing a good lot of education to your clients. And we, we certainly receive a lot of positive feedback on Traders Corner in terms of what IG is doing for, um, for your client base. So yeah, so thumbs up there. You're listening to Talking With Traders, a podcast series brought to you by IG a world-leading online trading and investment provider. If you haven't checked out the IG online trading platform, please do so and visit IG.com. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast series on your favorite podcast app or website by clicking on the subscribe button and you'll be notified weekly as we release new episodes. Sean, you you also read quite a lot, I know, um, and I think all of us as traders do. We read trading books um, and there's so many of them out there. But I've been asking all of the interviewees on this web on this podcast series what their three favorite trading books are. So, what are your three fav- favorite trading books? Uh, we're limiting it to three is quite tricky, <laughs> but uh, I think if uh, I, I thought I'm going to have two of the three books I want to talk about are technical analysis related, because so, you know that is my area of expertise. Um, technical analysis of the Financial Markets by John J. Murphy. I think it's a great reference book. You know, if you are interested in the craft, really well written, written in layman's terms, it's all encompassing. It's almost like that, you know, in the, in the old days when you have to go to the library and pull out the encyclopedia and browse through. I want to know about chart patterns. There's information on chart patterns there. I want to know about candle patterns. There's information about that. It's And it's well written. Um, there's a lot of information on the site written by John Bollinger himself. Um, uh, on the IG site, uh, but his book Bollinger and Bollinger Man's uh, definitely influenced uh, the, a lot of my my trading habits. Uh, John Bollinger is a you know a CFA and a CMT, and he believes in 
you know, market logic, what he calls rational analysis. Um, so really good read, short book, 150 pages. Uh, and then you know, in terms of the behavioral finance, um, I know a lot of guys like that trading in the zone. I'm a big fan of that, uh, but if I can give something a little bit different, I know it's been recommended on the site already, but uh, a book called Beyond Greed and Fear by a guy by the name of Hirsch Heffron. Um, it is related to behavioral finance uh, psychology. Uh, and what's really, really good is you, you find that you'll pose the same question, you know, about trading and, and markets at different stages of the book. It's amazing how we trick ourselves and we come up with different answers to what is essentially the same question. Really, really good book on psychology. Yeah. Uh, okay. Beyond greed and fear. Okay, good. Yeah, I think those psychological books are always so good to read because um, yeah, trading is probably 80% psychology and 20% method. And, um, and I think that's you know, the psychological aspect of it is the part that I think people fail to work on as hard as they should. A lot of people work on method. They think of, you know, trying to get the best indicators, backtesting systems, and looking at you know, various different chart patterns and all that, which is fine. It's important. But the psychological aspect of trading really is where you're going to find yourself either being successful or unsuccessful ultimately. And um, so, so those types of psychological books I've certainly found very useful over the over the years. And that one that you mentioned is one that I've actually not not read. So I'm certainly going to get a, get a hold of it. I'll probably try and get it on an audio book and listen to that, I think. Um, we're getting towards the end of the time that we've got together, Sean. So just one or two last quick questions. You know, if if a youngster came to you and said they want to take up trading as a career, what two or three bits of advice would you give to a youngster wanting to take take up trading full time as a career? I think for anyone that's entering the trading game, uh, whether it's in a personal capacity. Um, or as a career, you've got to have a plan. I think you you need to, you know, have a system of how you're going to trade, a process of how you're going to trade. Um, you basically need to have a, a roadmap uh, which encompasses all the decisions you're going to need to make uh, while you are trading. And it's also, you know, it's not just about when to buy and when to sell. It's also about um, identifying your availability to analyze the market, um, your availability to, to execute in the market, um, uh, understanding where your, your strengths and weaknesses are. If you have an emotional, uh, everyone gets emotional when they trade. It's being aware of those emotions, which I think is quite important. If you are, you know, realize that you have an inability to take a loss, then, you know, automate that part of your trading. Use something like a, you know, automated stop loss on your trades. Um, so I think, Develop a trading plan, which encompasses a lot of, um, well, someone I know has a, a rule in their trading plan that says, don't trade when I'm sick, because <laughs> you know, this really thinks that influences his emotions and how he executes. Um, I think it's always a good idea then to, to keep a journal. Um, so just monitor, uh, and, and most brokers will have, you know, will keep record of, you know, your, your your entries and your exits and, and your costs and all those things associated with the trading. But when I say journal, you know, why did you buy this? How are you feeling, you know, when you actually place that trade? Even if it's just something simple like a voice note, you know, we've, you know, sworn into your phone because maybe it didn't go so well or, you know, or giving yourself a pat on the back because it did. And then, you know, with that journal, uh, you know, you've got a plan, you've got, you've got a sort of accurate record keeping and then periodically review your plan. And see whether you know it, 
is your does your plan work or does it need to be adjusted? Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, that point about keeping a journal up was maintained is very, very important. And um, as you say, write up every single trade so that you can see what your thinking was at the time that you did the trade and do it in such a way so that when you go back three months later and review that trade, you can look back at a chart and compare it to your notes and say, okay, I see that was why I did the trade and it did work or it didn't work or I could have made more or my stop loss could have been better or whatever. But um, what I've found doing that is that it allows you to um, focus, you, you pick up where your strengths and weaknesses are as a trader. And by doing that, you can focus more on your strengths and try and fix your weaknesses. So certainly keeping a journal is a, is a, is a great piece of advice. So I still do that myself. I've got a little black book on my desk, which I write every trade in and write myself a little story. And um, and then at the end, I, I review each trades, and and yeah, every now and again, the odd expletive gets written into that book for things that have not worked out as well as I would have hoped. But it's certainly an on, an, you know, trading is an ongoing learning uh, pursuit of learning, I suppose. Hey? And lastly, if I can just add to that, you know, if uh, even if it's if you if you're just getting started and you're trading something like you know a practice account or a demo account, take it seriously. You know, don't uh, you don't have the same emotion, you know, with with the profit and loss, you know, associated to money, monetary gains. But but there is still a lot uh, that you can learn from going through that process. You know, still document your trades, see where you're going wrong, see where you can improve. Yeah, absolutely. Great, Sean. I know um, we are almost out of time. You're a whiskey fan, and so am I. Uh, <laughs> and I know that we were talking before we began the recording. You were saying that uh, your stock of of beer and what have you in the house has run out, and you're now into the the special whiskey collection. <laughs> now, hope uh, hope you don't get through too much of that before they allow alcohol sales again in South Africa. But what is your favourite whiskey? Just so that the listeners get a slightly better and different insight into Sean Morrison. Well, I just want to say that my biggest concern about the lockdown in terms of my alcohol uh, is that my wife has run out of wine and when she runs out of wine, she starts looking at my whiskey. So <laughs> that's a bit of a concern. Uh, oh, um, so many, I, I like most whiskeys, but uh, I think for an everyday sort of drinking whiskey, something that's nice, a little bit sweet, a little bit citrus, uh, good old Glenmorangie 10. Yeah, that's the trick for me. Very nice whiskey, indeed. All right, super, Sean. Well, that's it. I'm going to end the, the interview there. We've run out of time. But thank you very much for coming on and chatting to me today. It's been insightful, interesting, as I knew it would be. And uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks very much for your time. Cool. Thanks, Garth. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Talking with Traders, brought to you by IG a world-leading CFD provider. We really are privileged to have such a leader in the field of online trading involved in this series. Please follow us on Facebook and engage with us there. And a reminder to make sure you subscribe to the series by clicking the subscribe button on your favorite app. Till next time.